0: Here we are. Hey, okay. we're back. <laughs> another episode with another really good friend, Gary Kaibel from Davis and Gilbert. What a guy! The best. Yeah. He's one of the like organically non
1: douchebag lawyers from a firm. Right? Like I, I was trying to find a nicer word, but he's just a nice
0: guy. um And it's not fake. It's not business development. It's none of that garbage. He's just a good person. He's just a friend, and. Uh, happens to be we we happen to be lucky to have a friend that sharp and that, and that and that that uh experience and we learned that he had this it background which we were not aware of which makes sense he's a pretty technical guy so he yeah, is man and like
1: i know we're talk- we're going to talk about it later but like he man, like he does understand the inner workings of programmatic he understands the inner workings of the that ad tech ecosystem like he just does and uh there are so many posers out there. It's, it's, even now, man, like now, like I feel like there's lots of people who know things, and that's for sure. The like expertise has risen, uh, you know, yeah. across the board. But even now, he's far and away ahead of a lot of his like, especially outside council like counterparts. He's, he's just he's he's deep. Like yeah. we've, we've had Elisa on before, right? Like, um, yeah. she's probably the other outside counsel that I think of, and I'm like, yeah, like they're up there. I'm like
0: depth. My, uh, my thing that I always say about Gary is he, he was, he was uh, one of our, you know, one of my outside counsel at a time when we had a data incident, small data incident, and if you need people you trust like that, right. and so he was, my, he was my phone call, you know, and he just, he's your friend, so he immediately puts you at ease, like, we got this we're going to help you figure this out. It's complicated. And you're going to need need all hands on deck to solve this for for a little while, but here we go. And the playbook, he just runs the playbook. And um, it's just, it just, it takes your, as the, as the lawyer, you know, of a, a, in my situation of a small company, it takes the heat down. It it turns that pressure knob down to know that you've got someone who's like, I got, I got, we're here to help you.
1: You know. yeah no you're exactly right man he's a, he's a cool cat like I've never seen him ruffled even in some hard times so like he knows what he's doing and I'll give one more shout out uh, for something that he does it's actually free like we all subscribe to like law firm newsletters right I mean of course um shout out to the Davidson Gilbert like Gary client alert like it's good <laughs> and every time his client alert pulls up on my stupid inbox, Um, it's one of the few emails that I don't like auto ignore uh, or just like archive. So like, if if you're watching this and you've not subscribed,
0: you should. That's a good call out. Like it's one of the only ones I read. For sure. sure. (laughs) Well, they they do a good job of keeping it tight and they they actually, they are always one of the first uh, firms to release a a take on something and they always kind of have a take. They don't go too far and they don't like, you know, wax poetic about, about how they feel about something, but it's, they always kind of have an angle and, uh, and, and they give you the, the, the nuts and bolts fast.
1: Yeah. Like, and because they're an advertising firm, like there's all, there's, you know, if you're an advertising, if you're in ads, like I am, or you have been like, it's relevant, but even if you're not, it's still pretty good.
0: It's still yeah. Pretty good. No, they're on, they're on it. They're all over it. And, um, it's cool the way that firm has adjusted and adapted over a hundred years of of you yeah. know being around. So I like how your curtains kind of match your pillows back there. <laughs> the whole thing, hey, man. Hey, I there like it is. I
1: like it. All right.
0: Here's the here's Gary. All right. <laughs> here we are.
1: All right, we're here.
0: All right, we're here. <laughs> here we are. We it's are the
2: Zoom a, cocktail party. Where is, <laughs> where
0: is everybody? We're in a, 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 a Corona Cocktail party and over Zoom here. Uh, <laughs> We're in a great a, new
1: world, man. New administration, like all kinds of stuff's going. Andy's in a new location. He doesn't have some weird background. Like, I'm. I'm <laughs> Gary's got Hollywood lighting down there. Like, this is real, man.
2: Uh, exactly. You know, you know, food tastes better in the past two days. You know, the air is fresher. Um, you know, feels feels good.
0: It's amazing. Good amazing what 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 can happen when adults take over.
2: That's right. Exactly. Uh, yes. Yeah. I, I. I. The only thing it's bad for is Saturday Night Live. What are they going to do now? You know, it's just pretty boring for them now.
0: I'll take. There's it. always something.
2: There's always
1: something. So I think we'll. I think we'll <laughs> so, find some. So two
0: things. Two things quickly. Pedro's T-shirt. Gary, this is first of all. This is Gary Keibel, our Did good friend, uh, who we <laughs> know. <laughs> there it is yeah so this is our favorite instagram handle and and gary do you live in new jersey
2: i live in new york in in chappaqua in westchester
0: all right well you're close enough this guy reviews reviews restaurants all over new jersey it's the best instagram page ever it's so great so check it out just another food review page and he always opens every episode with all right we're here (laughs) <laughs> you know, that's his t-shirt uh,
1: so is this, is this a paid sponsorship uh do we have to disclose no. No, that no man no we're okay. trying to wait look we support small businesses his page is all about small businesses and restaurants and honestly it's right. he's funny he's witty i i think it's good i think it's good so um,
0: <laughs> you're great um anyway we are here here we are with our good friend <laughs> gary who we've known uh at this point a long time so we're we're pumped to have you uh, on season two of our endeavor here. Uh, it's been super fun for us just to talk to our friends, to be honest. <laughs> but but it's also been really <laughs> fun to create content and kind of like our goal is to make this privacy stuff normal and accessible instead of just you know lawyers chatting. Um, we try to be lawyers chatting, but more open and and um, comfortable about it. So let's get into it. Let's get into it. Um, I got introduced to you from our mutual friend, Ed Montes, who was the chief revenue officer at DataZoo. He was like, listen, I know we've got a lot of privacy issues at this company. <laughs> uh, this guy, Gary, has been really helpful to me in the past. And uh, no doubt you were helpful to a ton um, at DataZoo, especially for me as a as a guy learning ad tech. You know, I learned so much from the first you know, a few conversations and then seeing you at events and things and then just, and then just becoming friends, you know, it, it ups the ante for that for sure. And, and you've been a big supporter of Pedro and I like pulled colleagues into a group and you've been a big supporter of our group and kind of just willing to always bat stuff around with us, which is, it's so necessary because this stuff is so hard and so complex that uh, having friends like out. is good um, and is, is great. No, I I appreciate that. Gary, correct
1: me if I'm wrong, but I think I met you at a conference in New York City where we, I think we were on the same panel, but we met in person that, am I wrong? Is that where we met?
2: It might have been in New York at uh, maybe a, a local IAPP Knowledge Net or some other industry conference, or maybe it was at one of the bigger IAPPs in DC or on the West Coast. Well, I, um, I,
1: the memory that sticks out to me as the furthest, and maybe it's just the wrong one, but I spoke on some panel and I know Gary was there because I remember. I was losing my voice uh, um, and I and I was like, I was sick. Like I had, had just gotten over a cold and you know how like sometimes after the cold is when you lose your voice. And so I was like super yep. raspy guy and like get, I'm usually very energetic on these panels and I was like a dead corpse. Um, and Gary just held it down, man. Like I remember <laughs> that vividly and I thought, oh, this guy's all right. I'll say one more thing too about like the point Andy made back in the days when when, you know, 10 years ago, whatever it is, um, there are a lot of lawyers at law firms that said they knew about ad tech and mm-hmm. would charge a lot of money about ad techy stuff. And they didn't know shit. You <laughs> have always known your stuff. You've always, like you are an actual thought leader. You're not just like a law firm, like newsletter thought leader. And like um, like Andy said, like been invaluable in our groups, in our industry group exactly. and uh, all of our panels, like, collaborating with you has been like a super highlight for me because you actually know what you're talking about all the time. Totally. Well, Yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, you know, I have a tech background. Before I
2: was a lawyer, I was an IT guy and I did network administration and support services in an investment bank. So I was in server rooms late at night, um, you know, trying to figure out the blue screen of death and what was going (laughs) on. And so uh, I've never felt that frustration as a lawyer that I felt as an IT guy, um, you know, in a server room at two in the morning and you can't get something to work properly. But yeah, I think that background helps because when everyone's talking about ad tech and data and where it's moving and where it's going, I'm thinking about the servers, the devices, the network connections, and where things are actually moving in the electronic and physical world.
1: Well, if that's the case, then hold on, Andy, because this is important. Can you (laughs) explain programmatic advertising in 60 seconds? (laughs) (laughs) 60 seconds. Okay. Man, forget fucking, that. Sorry, Andy, go ahead.
0: <laughs> he's done it a million times. I've seen him do it. <laughs> a times. Uh, the, what I wanted to get to is, is like completely related to this. Is you are a partner at Davis and Gilbert, which is one of, if not the you know, major advertising law firm representing holding companies and ad uh, advertising for a long time, so for years and years. And so I'm really interested to know as the former IT guy and the guy kind of like holding down a lot of the ad tech, as that stuff is rising up and coming up in, in advertising, you know, it wasn't always that way. You know, the internet was a disruptor and was new for advertising. So I'm curious how you built the, the, the law practice there, got, got so familiar on the technology and was able to do that inside of a law firm that I think historically maybe had been pretty like hardcore advertising focused as opposed to tech focused. How did you do that?
2: Yeah, you know, it was just the perfect, uh, timing when everything came together. So, like I said, I had the IT background. I was at a different law firm where I was doing, uh, technology work and IP work, but nothing involved in the advertising and the internet world. And then I came to Davis and Gilbert in 2001, which is kind of the stone age of, of the, of the ad tech world. And, uh, my, when I walked into the office, you know, sitting on my desk was some, uh, uh, agreement to do some telematics work and some uh, things with, uh, you know, uh, like in-car uh, services and some, uh, you know, video on demand services, and also working with IAB 2.0 terms because we represented the IAB. So it was really just a perfect time when things started to come together. And the privacy conversation at that point in 2001 was a side issue. People weren't even focused on that. And as time went on over 2002, 2003, um, you know, I started to raise questions, say, hey, I think we need to focus on the data. Um, hold on a second. My dog is barking because my dog loves privacy. Here, go take that bone. There you go. Um, Look
0: at this. Look I at this started... back here. Look at that thing back there. He's there you quiet, go. Man. You're very I... smart. You know, no, you, you should see him uh, on That's not Gary's dog. That's actually Johnny Ryan. <laughs>
1: I did. Yes. Say yes. <laughs> shout out! To yeah, I,
0: shout, out to, shout out to him. Shout out yeah, i will
2: call my dog. I'll call my dog Max Shrem's. Max, cut it out! Come on. Um, yeah. yeah. You guys, you guys had to record me.
0: Finish.
2: You had to record me at 4:30 p.m. Eastern dinner time here for the dog is five o'clock, <laughs> and she goes, to Spain. Um But anyway, going back to the Stone Age. I was the one starting to interject with the conversation. Hey, maybe we should talk about the data and who's got the rights to the data. And what are we telling the consumer about the data collection? And it was so new to people back then in, in 01, 02, 03. But as time went on, then everyone started to ask those questions.
1: Yeah. I can't believe you got to the firm in 01 and we're talking telematics. in When did I start at the firm? Like 2013 or 12, I don't remember. My first assignment from the partner in like the tech, whatever, was like the emergence of telematics. And so this is <laughs> proof that Gary lives in the future. Okay. 12 years <laughs> earlier, Gary was writing the same freaking memo I was, um, probably with <laughs> um, uh, that. That's awesome, man.
0: Well, so what, what, so then Gary, like from the telematics memo, how did you, how did you, um... Like what clients helped you bridge the gap? Because there's got to be some clients that like were forward thinking enough that helped you. Because you had to learn it some, at some some point, right?
2: Yeah. So you know, in, in going back before Davis and Gilbert, like in 1999 and 2000, everybody was putting .com at the end of the, their company name, and then there was the .com crash. But people were starting to think about how to get into that business. And so when I went to Davis and Gilbert, this is a firm that's been dominant in the advertising and marketing industry for 100 years. And we always like to say that we've represented uh, uh, old media when it was new media. And so as, as things advance in the industry, our clients are kind of always at the forefront. So the digital world came out of the traditional advertising world. People were leaving traditional advertising agencies and going to start digital shops. So we had those personal relationships with people. And when they went and started these new ventures, they said, Hey, the Davis and Gilbert guys know a lot about advertising and interacting with consumers and how to deal with consumer facing issues and disclosures. We should probably deal with them on these ad tech issues. So we were fortunate to kind of be there at the beginning uh, when things were being developed. I mean, hey, when the IAB was first formed, we incorporated the IAB. We we filed the papers to bring the IAB into existence because again, it was folks from the advertising world that were the ones who were the trendsetters in ad tech.
0: But that shows that Davis and Gilbert, it can actually, for a hundred year old firm, that shows that they can think differently. There's so many hundred year old law firms that don't adjust and don't pivot with the time and don't see the rising tide very well. They, they would just be like, we, you know, still, it wouldn't represent a small upstart digital agency. They'd say, where's our $25,000 retainer? And that digital agency would say, what are you kidding? You know, so like shout out to Davis and Gilbert for like understanding how you have to move.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's been that way. I mean, I've been there for 20 years and it's been that way the entire time and it's still that way. We've got to adapt now because things are changing a lot. And there are so many new types of services and, and, and new legal issues to, to face. And what makes it a lot very fun and exciting is a lot of times there's not a lot of precedent. So we have to interpret practices in light of current legal requirements, maybe self-regulatory industry trends, and come up with the right model to make things work.
1: When were you in IT, Gary?
2: So I worked at an investment bank uh you're gonna realize how old i am now even though i haven't gone gray yet uh i worked uh, at merrill lynch in the investment banking department doing it work from 1991 until 1999
1: i was hoping uh, for the so, 80s so badly when i asked that question i was just hoping i just <laughs> wanted to know what you wore in 88 <laughs> yeah. what was your hair like in the hey. 80s man what what what, what like oh man Oh, yeah, you know, I had, I had a fro, you know,
2: kind of a wide collar, you know, I had eyes on, you know. We got these photos if you want to see
1: them. They're out there.
0: I think <laughs> we should. I really think we should. Yeah, Gary, I
1: like, Gary, I, I didn't know you had this IT background. It makes sense now, like, your understanding of, like, complex information systems. Now I totally get that, but, like, I can't imagine what it was like in, like, 93 or whatever, calling IT and, like, Gary's on the other line. And let me tell you,
2: we talked about the stone age of tech. I mean, I was working in IT in the stone age of IT. No joke, I I dealt with maybe sometimes having to send an Excel file from New York to Brazil. And (laughs) when the internet was so new, like right now you attach a file, you click send, that's about a five, six second project. When I had to transfer an Excel file from New York to Brazil, That was about a three or four hour project because firstly, I get the phone number of the IT guy in Brazil. We get on the phone and start saying, all right, what type of modem do you have? I'm like, well, I'm doing a 14.4, but I'm going to go with uh, uh, my protocol is going to be eight, none, one. All right. Why don't I try to send you like, you know, uh, you know, a 1K file. Let's see if that works. Okay. Let's hang that up. And we would test that out. I mean, this took like hours to send a file. So it, it never ceases to amaze me these days about how far we've come from where we were back from technology back then.
0: You look at that process you just described and you think about that. <laughs> the well, Grand Canyon between those things is unbelievable. At DataView, we had screens on the walls showing trans- transactions per second. I remember right. processing transactions per second. And you, it's just mind-blowing. The numbers are mind-blowing how fast the system is processing transactions in real time. The comparison between those two things unbelievable, truly.
2: Yeah, I mean, I was cleaning out some old boxes in my basement and I came across some floppy disks and not the three and a half, like five and a quarter yeah, yeah. floppy disks. And my 10-year-old son was looking at it and he's like, what is that? And I was explaining how he would stick this into the computer and I would store information on it and I was explaining to him that said, all right, you got your iPhone here. I would need like, like a mil- million of these floppy disks all around the house for what this device can now store. I mean, there's just, there's just no equivalent whatsoever to what we can do now.
0: Uh, well, I, so before, we, before I forget this, I want to shift gears just a tiny bit and ask you if you have the same recollection of a particular memory that I do which is okay. in 2018, I joined Session M and somehow I convinced them to let me go to the DAA Summit in Napa. Like <laughs> Digital Advertising Alliance had its annual conference and they decided to have it in Napa. And Session M was not an ad tech company. And so I'm not quite sure how I managed to, to figure out. I, 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 they asked me to speak. So that was cool. And I, and I figured out how to, so we go out there, and I take this like you guys seen the movie Sideways, the sort of
1: yeah, I love that movie. Yeah,
0: me and Peter Cosmala in, in a rental car driving out to <laughs> <together>. <laughs> A major shout out to Peter, who is one. Did you of drink Merlot, friends.
1: Andy? Did you drink Merlot?
0: We did everything. We did oh. everything, but we ended up. <laughs> <laughs> we ended up. Um, the summit was the first day, the first day of the summit and then that night, or maybe it was we arrived and a bunch of our crew decided to go out to dinner. It was a typical situation where there's like a reservation for five and it ends up being 14 or 17. <laughs> yep. a huge table. We're in Napa we are just drinking wine and just ordering. There's like shellfish towers coming. And, I, and I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> I just joined a startup. I'm thinking to myself, oh my God. like You're getting fired. Colin, well, Colin, O'Malley. Colin O'Malley was the one ordering the shellfish towers. And so when I call him out like, right now, like, you know, he's, yep. he's ordering these amazing dishes. And he's got great taste, so I always let him order, but it's you know, it's uh it starts to get expensive. And I'm looking around the table and I'm thinking to myself, like, who's gonna pick up this bill? <laughs> like this <laughs> bill, and cause this is gonna be fifteen hundred bucks or more. I don't know. I'm looking around like, It's a huge, huge dinner, and there's people from Facebook at the table, there's people from Google at the table, there's people from horizon at the table and like, those
1: people are paying, i promise one, you that one
0: outside counsel gary
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: they're all looking at me and i'm like i remember uh, thinking they, to myself is he gonna pick this up i'm not a unicorn
0: <laughs> <laughs> he pick this up and and then i thought to myself he can't there's no way like this is too like this is like even 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 they will not take this bill and and uh i thought to myself that google would pick it up but no no, we all split it, and I had to like go with my tail between my legs and explain this <laughs> thing. It was like. Every person I think it was 300 bucks. I think oh I basically, God. I think I like didn't eat the rest of the trip very much. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I don't know if I was thinking the we had that dinner because yeah, I remember that dinner because not that these conferences are boondoggles, but that afternoon I went to play golf with some guys from the DMA and we were playing golf and drinking beers in the 90 degree heat um, all afternoon and then did the <laughs> dinner. But there were conversations. Business conversations going on as well. so tons, definitely tons. worthwhile.
0: Tons, and the dinner was too expensive, but it, it, all of those things are valuable in a lot of ways. And without very the, valuable without those conferences, I don't create I don't create the relationships that we need yeah, to sure. big things. Like so, we find it fun to joke about it, of course, but they they are they were helpful. You know.
2: Oh no, it's very good. I mean, in, in you know, in today's day and age, really missing that interaction with people going to conferences seeing people, uh, you know, going to the social and networking events. You know, I, we're going to get back there eventually, uh, but it's going to take a little more, a little bit more time.
0: Is that, mm-hmm. Does that influence business development as a partner in a law firm for you?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think it definitely helps. Having those personal connections uh, is a big part of it. You know, you want people to not just hire you because you're smart or at the right law firm. You want people to hire you because they trust you. And you want to develop that personal relationship with the clients so that you get to know them on a personal level and and they feel comfortable having very frank
1: conversations. Yeah. Gary, you're a man of the future as we have uh, established. One of the things I'm starting to think about and part of it is because I'm at Facebook, but just in general um, is like the emergence of VR, right? Like all all these virtual reality ecosystems and whether or not, uh, ads is a what, what? How does ads play into it? Is really the question. Advertising uh, as a whole, digital advertising, obviously, it's virtual. Um, what do you? Do you have any thoughts on like how this might play out? Because that's the new greenfield, right? Uh, uh, for yeah.
2: Well, if, if we're talking about VR, so let's uh, you know up the game nice. here in terms of uh, <laughs> our, our technology base. See, you can do everything these days. Hey, these glasses could say Bud Light if someone had, you know, paid for the sponsorship, you know. So uh, there's tons of things you can do. Uh, But look, I mean, but that's the beauty of the advertising industry is that those working with cutting-edge brands are always looking for what's new, you know. So it was great. I could do radio spots, and then I could do out-of-home, and then I could do television, and then I could do internet and mobile and native and influencers and, you know, in-game Uh, in terms of video games. So everyone's trying to find where is that new opportunity. And I think they also realize that, you know, the old days of segregating content and advertising is done. It's all going to merge together. Uh, So you really want to have those integrated ads and integrated experiences. And and VR is part of it. You know, I think there's a great way that, you know, that uh, content and advertising can merge together. So, I think lots and lots of brands are looking at it. Look, play any you know, major video game and you'll see some branded content there. You know, you're driving a car down the street and there's a billboard and it will be for like a, a major beverage company because everyone's trying to find where they can just get in front of people's uh, eyeballs and and, and get their, their message out there. So yeah, I think VR is, is a big part of where it's going. Um, I, don't, I don't have an Oculus, although my, my, my youngest keeps screaming for it all the time. So maybe I'll have to break
1: down and, and get that eventually. I need you to break down and get one of those, man. <laughs> it's yep. actually really cool. I have never even used one until recently. It, it's, it's actually way further along than I thought it was and oh. kind of how I imagined it. And the kids dig it, man.
2: Oh yeah, definitely. We got the uh, the the cheap Google box that came like in the mail and it was free. Um uh, but yeah, I got I gotta step up my game here.
1: What do you, so I'm glad you mentioned video games because I'm not a super gamer, but I do play like, uh, like Forza, which is like a racing game on, on Xbox and a couple other things. Um, And you mentioned the billboard piece and you're exactly right. Like there's a lot of licensing happening in video games, uh, licensing, advertising happening in video games, and it's dynamic like because the games are played online now like it's not static it's not like before you bought like a cd or a or a cassette and whatever was on there was forever like you know if coca-cola pays for a billboard in forza tomorrow it could be pepsi or it could be whatever like it like you can actually change it which is much more like the real world even though it hasn't cried like video games well at least like traditional video games haven't fully crossed into vr um like how does how do you sell ads on video? Like, how do you sell ads in VR? I know how you do it in ad tech. I know how you do it in like the linear like, f- and physical world. How does that even work? Like, do, Right. I, well, I mean, it's like, it's data is driving everything. You know, it's
2: like, you know, a, addressable TV and same thing in video games, the same thing, you know, on, you know, on websites and in mobile and that you're analyzing the data. Now, the question is how rich is the data? If you're dealing with ads that are being served into the website, these days, the data is tremendously rich. You know, through the data that's been cookied and the offline online matching, uh, you know, you're able to get some incredible deterministic data In other platforms. It's new. And so the data is not as rich and some of those other platforms kind of keep themselves as a walled garden. So they're not sharing as much data. That, that's kind of the way things are in the OTT world a lot these days. Uh, but if you can get that data out, match it to other sources and then push the ads back in, you can make them much more personalized. But you know, maybe for now it's just general location. So we'll serve ads for surfboards for those in Florida and skis for those in Vermont. But, uh, you know, eventually it's gonna get much more personalized. And then we run up against the problem of privacy laws, that privacy laws are making some of that personalization harder. So we have that incredible tension between privacy, consumer privacy, and enabling all these great new technologies and startup businesses to monetize themselves through the data and advertising. And you know we're now dealing with a new administration, we're gonna have some new, a new FTC commissioner, a chairman of the, of, of the FTC or chairwoman, and we wanna make sure that we find that right balance so that we respect consumers, we give them choice, we give them some control, but we don't kill this golden goose of ad-supported content and services because it's been incredible what it's done for the American economy and the world economy having ad-supported services.
1: Well, not, to, not to, yes, agree on all counts. And I'll add, it's also incredible for allowing for premium content to make its way to groups of people who wouldn't have access to it otherwise because they can't pay for it, right? And exactly, so some, exactly. Right, yeah, so there's like the human... Yeah, component. if everything's...
2: Yeah, there's, there, you know, there's a socioeconomic issue too. If you make it so difficult to monetize the data, then to your point, you know Pedro, everything's gonna become a paid service, subscription services, so it's only then available for people who can afford it? Right. No, you want to have ad-supported free services so that everyone can enjoy them.
1: Same page.
0: On the uh, on the Xbox or the video game systems or OTT in general, um, is is it, the, the, the ads that are being served in those locations, I admittedly am removed from this, you know, from OTT and from these things, is the... Is the data widely available on every like on every major supply platform? And if so, is it IP address based targeting because those are often shared devices? <clears throat> or is the data richer than that? I don't know where things are at this point. I, you know I know lots of those systems have logged in profiles, so, but I'm, I'm sure they're not sharing them widely in terms of the, the richness of that data set totally outside of their own inventory.
2: Yeah, it's a real mix because you have some providers that still have the mindset of, I don't want to let anybody into my walled garden and suck out all this fantastic data that I have because some of those providers have unbelievable data. I mean, you know, the viewing data, I remember talking to a company 15 years ago and they were collecting data from set-top boxes from cable providers. And they said, you know, we don't need to know who the subscribers are. We can tell. We can tell that if somebody's watching Cartoons at 3 30 in the afternoon. That's probably the kids, and that's probably the living room TV. And if they're watching an R-rated movie at 11 p.m. at night, that's probably the parents, and that's probably the bedroom. So, uh, you know, they were able to analyze that at that point. And some providers are scared that, you know, people are going to suck out so much data and game their system and 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 take the data elsewhere. So, you know, in the perfect world, people will be sharing data. You could bring other data and onboard it into those platforms and do incredible targeting. But I don't think we're there yet because I think companies are a little bit nervous about sharing all of that proprietary data. Um, you know, Like if I can draw an analogy uh, to a completely different issue, like, uh, uh, like self-driving cars. I remember a couple of years ago, I think it was the you know, Department of Transportation put out some rules to allow the car companies to share data with one another. Because they figure that's you know that's the ultimate goal to have the cars speaking to each other and sharing data. But all the car companies right now are very very nervous. They don't want to share data with other providers because they're worried about what it's going to mean to their own products.
0: Uh, Whatever happened that? with the Video Privacy Protection Act? Because you talking about that stuff made me think about this yeah. old law that came came onto the books because of like. Is that what the porno Justice was? Bork. Justice Bork. Justice Bork. Had a, Bork. Had a weird, <laughs> it wasn't porno, but he just had like a, his list of video rentals was accessed. And it was, it, it wasn't. No, you're thinking of, uh, you're thinking of Clarence Thomas.
2: You're thinking of there, there. There are many Supreme Court justices who have had
1: problems. Uh, well, but yeah. this is What I'm thinking of is the purpose of Vipa is so that people don't know that I watch sketchy movies i mean that's right. what it is for so, anything or anything. or anything right or anything yeah well really it's, it's not about it's, a,
2: it's a <laughs> it's a perfect example of how challenging it is in that you have these
0: old old
2: laws on the books but you got to apply them to new technology and you know in the in the video privacy protection act even though it was written back in the 1980s it's still a law it's on the books and it's been interpreted very broadly about what is a you know a a, a video uh, you know, uh, player, and, and what data is covered under VPPA. And, you know, the way it came about is, again, concerns. Yes, it was during the, the hearing for Justice Bork, I think it was a reporter got access to his video rental history. And there was nothing surprising in it, nothing really, you know, offensive. But all the members of Congress were like, what? People can get that information? And the members of Congress were like, I don't want anyone to see the videotape that I've rented. And they passed the law really
1: quickly. <laughs> this is about porn, man. You know, if you're trying to convince me that if those members of Congress weren't at Blockbuster Video and looking at that little curtained room in the back and saying, I got to go there in there you and go see behind that curtain, you're lying yeah. to me and to the audience. This was about porn. But anyway.
0: So the, 100%. the OG. 100%.
2: Hundred percent. They were going to the blockbuster in, in in DuPont Circle, putting on a mustache and walking in the back room. That's what it was.
0: The OG privacy law was the curtain. The curtain
1: was the <laughs> privacy. Exactly. There like you the go. Curtain, you know? like, I remember being a teenager and asking, like, or not a teenager, but like a little kid asking my dad what's back there. And he would always say something randomly ridiculous, like that's where they gamble, you know, like it's just crazy things. It turns out it's the porno room at the blockbuster, you know.
0: I love that he thought old school? Was a better choice.
1: <laughs> old school,
2: pro- old school privacy controls work. Talk about old school privacy controls. Here's how I turn off my camera. Right, me too, that's how I turn off too. my camera. Me yeah. too.
1: Me too. Me too. It I'm works. It works. And
0: put it on. <laughs> I love that. <laughs>
1: well, Gary, uh, I you this. like I'm excited for the future. I'm excited for like how VR, especially and ads, are going to intersect. It's inevitable right? Like we talk about uh, Oculus and like just accessibility, obviously part of that is making it inexpensive enough for people to use it. And so in Oculus, it's obviously the homegrown stuff at my company, but just VR in general, we want it to scale. People have to be able to afford it. And I think advertising is going to supplement some of this cost. I mean, this, this is my personal opinion, but I don't see how else we get this into the hands of like everyone. Right. And don't make it some exclusive yep. thing. And so, I'm totally aligned with you on the need to find whatever the balance is going to be to make that happen.
2: Yeah, and last thing I'll say, you know, before we did this, Andy asked me about uh, one of my favorite songs. He said, what, what, what songs do you like? And so I said, Video Killed the Radio Star in the 1980s. Not just because I'm an 80s kid and I love it and because I have nonstop 80s props around my house, <laughs> uh, but uh, because I love a line from the song Video Killed the Radio Star. You know, firstly, that was the first video ever shown on MTV. And it was showing how technology was changing. And one of the lines of the song is, we can't rewind, we've gone too far. (laughs) And that's where we are, man. Everything is gonna keep changing. We're not going back, we'll keep going forward. And, you know, we have conversations like this five years from now, and we'll be telling, you know, war stories about, you know, 2021, what technology was like back then.
0: <laughs> right. That's a great, that's a great right, uh, way to wrap up, man. Thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks for being with us. Always good to just see our friends. So we're glad to see you.
2: Always good to hang out and looking forward to hanging out in person eventually.
0: We're, all, we're always talking about that. <laughs> we can't wait. Yeah. This
1: is, and I'm glad Andy came up with the idea to do this and then asked me to participate. Like I just wanna hang out with my friends, man. Like I'm dying. <laughs> Suffocating. Exactly. Right?
0: Yeah. Thanks, Gary. All right, we'll do our we'll do our little thing now, but so you can hang up. There. All right. Hopping
2: off. Taking care guys. Bye bye.